I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. And now, giving you access to the locker rooms and the minds of the independent scene, here are the curtain jerkers of pro wrestling podcasting. Mike Crockett. Actually, I prefer to be called Maestro. And the kingpin, Brian Malonis. He's the win, and nobody beats him. This is the wrestling podcast about nothing on the New Age Insiders Network. And welcome to the wrestling podcast about nothing, episode 63, presented by BDARadio.com. There are so many pro wrestling podcasts out there covering every facet of the business. So we went to PDA Radio and said we have a different idea for a podcast. Everybody's doing something. We'll do nothing. They said, what's your wrestling podcast about? We said nothing. And thankfully, they said, we think you may have something here. So here we are. My name is not Mike Crockett. I'm not a longtime independent wrestling referee in the Northeast. And I'm not currently on an extended hiatus from the ring. Flying solo this week is a veteran of the New England Independent Mat Wars. The irresistible force, the immovable object. I am the kingpin, Brian Malonis. That is right. Where is Mike Crockett? Mike Crockett is not on this week's episode of the WPAN. So where is he? Where is Croc Sox? Well, Crockett's out in assignment for the Fourth of July weekend, but I didn't get the weekend off. I'm not on vacation. I don't take vacations. I'm here. This is. Uh, Almost midnight, Saturday night, uh, I just watched the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 special. Where's Mike Crockett, though? He's probably in bed. I don't know. Where are you? Wherever you are, Mike, uh, well, I hope you enjoy this episode, buddy. Uh, Today on the Wrestling Podcast about nothing on NAI Network, we've got your promo about nothing and a whole lot more. But first, as I just mentioned, it just got done. I just finished watching the New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 special. And what a card it was. What did you think out there? Uh, pretty good introduction to New Japan Pro Wrestling for uh, for many people. The first live uh, New Japan special in the United States. Of course, they do have their weekly program on uh, Access TV. Um but this one here was, uh, yeah, this was live. This was live and in living color as uh, we're going to talk about uh, a couple of instances maybe where they wish they weren't in, <laughs> in live and in living color. Um, this is from uh, Long Beach, California, the LBC. Uh, one thing I did notice is the crowd, the crowd did sound electric all night, uh, but they didn't quite have their crowd mic'd up like, like you're used to hearing on... Um, WWE programming. And that thing seems to still be the one thing that's kind of rampant um, throughout other other, other uh, presentations of pro wrestling on television in the United States. Uh, it still lags behind what WWE produces on a week-to-week basis, really. Uh, their production level and their production values are absolutely through the roof. And obviously their budget much much bigger, and they can they can afford to, um, you know, go with all the bells and whistles. Where, um, you know, TNA has, has a slightly t- more toned down version uh, of a, of a set, or excuse me, Impact Wrestling, and soon to be uh, Global Force Wrestling. Uh, no more Impact, no more TNA. Um, but Ring of Honor and and then New Japan actually a very similar uh, presentation, where the focal point is the wrestling. Do you like that better out there? Uh, I know there's lots of complaints about WWE. There's lots of criticism about WWE out there. But the one thing I don't think that anybody can criticize about WWE is their presentation as a as a visual product on on television is something that is just incredible. Everything's over the top. The set's over the top. The pyro is over the top. The video packages are over the top. Um, they have mainstream music. Just the entire presentation uh, of WWE is something that is just over the top, A+. plus. But how do you like that compared to um, Ring of Honor, who has definitely really stepped up their game uh, in presentation over the last couple years? And, and then New Japan, which actually I think had a very similar uh, presentation to, that, uh, to, excuse me, to Ring of Honor. 
uh, and what they bring on a week-to-week -week basis here uh, with the with the video big video screen in the middle and multiple video boards on the side um, no pyro but um, again just um, I think I think the US pro wrestling fan is really accustomed to the over-the-top sets of, of WWE and, and I wonder how uh, in the long run you know how will this be taken? Also, too, don't forget uh, New Japan. A lot, of, a lot of the Access TV stuff that's been presented is from their bigger shows, whether it be Wrestle Kingdom or Dominion, where they do have bigger sets and they're in bigger arenas. This, uh, and I'm not, and I'm sure, and I'm not sure how big the uh, Long Beach Convention Center is or how many people uh, it holds. I guess I could probably look that up, but hey, I'm flying solo this week and talking to you by myself, so it's going to be a little hard to talk to you and uh, and do the Google thing. I can't do more than one thing at a time. I'm sure if Mike Crockett were here, he'd have some sort of smart-ass remark to make about that and probably would bury me, uh, you know, along while I'm burying myself. So look at that. I, I really am taking over the lead chair this week. I'm burying myself, much like Mike Crockett buries me on a on a weekly basis, but um, you know, definitely a, a smaller, you know, not, not quite a full arena. I'm going to guess there were, a, a, you know, a few thousand in attendance there. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know how accurate that is. Somebody correct me out there while you're listening to this, you know, tweet at me at Brian Malonis at the WPAN. Hey, even tweet at Croc Sox. Tell him, Hey, Malonis doesn't know his ass from his elbow. Uh, of course, you know, we like you guys to be interactive with us, but Hey, let's get into, uh, let's get into looking at this card for this, uh, um, I almost called it a pay-per-view, but it wasn't a pay-per-view. It was a live special because it was on, it was on, you know, free TV. And and the card, um, you know, that we were looking at, and I'll kind of run it down here, and then we'll kind of go through it match by match. And that was the IWGP Heavyweight Championship is the main event. Okada versus Ring of Honor World Champion Cody Rhodes. I should say IWGP Heavyweight Champion Okada versus Ring of Honor World Champion Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes winning that title, of course, just uh, a little over a week ago, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, that was your main event. Uh, the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championships were also on the line as the Gorillas of Destiny defended against War Machine. There was a... 10-man tag match, uh, I should say multiple 10-man tag matches on this one, uh, David Finley, Jay White, Kushida, and Tanahashi, uh, taking on, uh, Sho Tanaka, Yohai Komatsu, which are the Tempora Boys from Ring of Honor, Yoshitatsu, and Billy Gunn, and then of course it was Jushin Thunder Liger, Dragon Lee, Volador Jr. and Titan versus Sonata, Bushi, Evil, and Takahashi. Uh, of course, the first four members of that are part of, uh, excuse me, the first three members of that team are part of uh, Los Ingrenobles de Japón, and I probably butchered that, so forgive me. Uh, and then there was uh, Rapongi Vice, Will Ospreay, and the Briscoe Brothers versus the Young Bucks, Marty Skrull, Takahashi, and Bad Luck Fale, the Bullet Club. And then the tournament, uh, the first round of the tournament to crown the first ever IWGP United States champion. First round matches, Kenny Omega versus Michael Elgin, Ishii versus Naito, Juice Robinson versus Zack Sabre Jr., Jay Lethal versus Hangman Page. We're going to run through this entire card right now and give you some of my thoughts uh, on these matches. I mean, really some good, 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 good matches on this card. Um, just from that that standpoint, the quality of the of the professional wrestling on this event tonight uh, was such a great introduction to. Uh, if this was your first introduction, whether you were there live or whether you were watching on TV. Just a terrific introduction to New Japan Pro Wrestling, in my opinion. So the first match of the night, we saw the uh, we saw uh, excuse me the Bullet Club uh, taking on the Briscoe Brothers, Rapongi Vice, and Will Osprey. Um, Skrull and Osprey started off this match. Lots of creative stuff. Lots of um, you know. Um, I, Athletic things, I guess, for lack of a better term. Again, uh, Mike's the articulate one. He's really good at taking notes on these matches and digging in. Um, 
I tend to just watch and enjoy, and, and, and I did write a few notes this time. Mike would be very proud of me. I'm not just winging it this time, Mike. I actually took notes on uh, most of these matches as we're going through here. Um, of course, opening, there was a series of dives, as you would expect from these guys. Uh, ended with Will Ospreay doing a shooting star press to the floor. Uh, then there was just, just this, this incredible spot where uh, the move is called the Bad Luck Fall, which essentially is a razor's edge to the floor, wiping out uh, the entire the entire rest of the match. Uh, and then Rocky Romero pins Matt Jackson on the reversal of an, of an indie taker for the win. And Matt Jackson looks at the camera and goes, we're in Hot Topic, we can't lose on TV. The Young Bucks always doing uh, some sort of interesting, an interesting, uh, crazy thing along those lines, uh, kind of peeling, peeling back the curtain as we like to do here uh, on the pro, uh, sorry, excuse me, on the wrestling podcast about nothing. We are the curtain jerkers of uh, of pro wrestling podcasting, and apparently, the Young Bucks are the curtain jerkers of professional wrestling in general because, uh, you know, kind of a tongue in cheek. Uh, a uh, little nod towards their deal with uh, with Hot Topic. Of course, the Bullet Club merchandise is available on Hot Topic now. Pretty incredible um, when you think about the reach of that and how uh, they've managed to break those into uh, you know a mainstream store where really they only had WWE t-shirts. Kind of incredible. Uh, next up, we had uh, yet another multi-man match. It was... Takahashi, Evil, Bushi, and Sonata versus Jushin Thunder Liger, Volador Jr., Titan, and Dragon Lee. Uh, the one thing that I thought was really interesting this, and I, and I, I will say this, Jim Ross uh, and, and, and Josh Barnett had, I think, had a rough night. I don't think it was their best night. Um, they seemed, they, they, it got better as the night went along, but I, I, I do feel they were, they were underprepared for this one. Um, JR, even uh, while, while, um, the members uh, of uh, Los Ingrenobles were coming out, uh, kind of <laughs> saying, "I don't, I don't know who the hell these guys are." Um, and of course, he blamed it on them all wearing masks because uh, he uh, he thought evil was Bushi. Um, but I, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, Jim Ross, of course, is is who the hell am I to criticize Jim Ross, right? And that's certainly not what I'm doing. But I just I didn't think it was. He didn't seem overly prepared uh, for this night. Uh, and and really didn't seem to have a clue on the participants uh, in this match. Of course, there was lots of crazy action in this match, as you would expect. Um, these guys are luchadors. I mean, the crowd was chanting Lucha Libre uh, for a good portion of the entire match. Uh, Takahashi wins it with a time bomb. Uh, I, I believe it was on Volador Jr. Uh, I didn't I didn't write down uh, who he got the pin on, uh, but of course right beforehand, um, and, and, it's, and it's a spot I've seen them do before, and not something I would want to take any time in this lifetime. Is they open up a chair, they put it around a guy's head, and then somebody swings another chair like a baseball bat and knocks the chair off. Um, no, no, thank you. Uh, that's what I say to that. No, thank you, especially with my uh, with my fat neck. Um, I, I don't think that would that would go particularly well for me. I like my teeth. I like my jaw. Um, I like my ears, and I'd like to keep them all with me for the uh, foreseeable future, if you don't mind. Uh, but again, another another just exciting match. Uh, of course, this is uh, very true to the New Japan format. Lots of multi-man matches, um, and and. You know, reading things online, this, this is what the fans asked for. They wanted a authentic uh, presentation of New Japan Pro Wrestling, not not a watered down Americanized version. They wanted they wanted authenticity, and I think that's what they got uh, with all these multi man matches. Uh, next, we started out the United States Championship Tournament uh, with a couple of, of of Ring of Honor superstars, Jay Lethal versus Hangman Page. Um, I gotta tell you, I, I I I love both these guys, especially Hangman Page. Uh, I just think his his future is just so bright, especially when you hear he's 25 years old and um, already wrestling all over the world, and just such a bright future. And of course, Jay Lethal has has been um, you know one of the best professional wrestlers in the world for for some time now. Um, it's it's amazing when you think about really the run that Jay Lethal has had. Um, on American television and and all over the world, um, 
just a uh, truly one of the best professional wrestlers in, in the world. And um, again, I, I don't know what else to say. Just, the, you know, the guy's done it all uh, with the exception of going to WWE and who knows if and when that will ever happen. But I certainly, um, I don't think he needs that uh, to put an exclamation point on his career uh, because he's had a hell of a career so far. And not that it's even close to being over, but um, just saying, Jay Lethal has had an incredible career. But uh, this one started hot. Uh, Paige jumped Lethal from behind. Uh, I will say this, the one thing I did notice, and, and it kind of happened in, in a couple of the earlier matches, but was... Um, it was very noticeable in this match when Jay Lethal did a suicide dive uh, onto onto Adam Page or Hangman Page, just sent him toppling into the barricade, and the barricade just tipped over. Page just fell uh, right on it, and 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 it was something I think that was noticed all night is that these barricades were not tied down very well. Um, very interesting that that. Uh, the time wasn't taken to put these together a little bit, uh, these these barricades that can obviously be um, dangerous for the fans, dangerous for the guys. Uh, I mean, there's always danger with when you're crashing into barricades and whatnot, but if they can topple over uh, as well, it's, you know, it could be a really dangerous thing. And I, and I just, just something I noticed out there. Um, of course, Jay Lethal did have taped up ribs, and that was uh, from the angle from Best in the World. Um, again, that was last week in Lowell, Massachusetts, if uh, anybody here listening. I know a few of the listeners uh, were in attendance. A couple of the curtain jerkers out there were, uh, were in attendance for, for Best in the World, Ring of Honor's pay-per-view from the Lowell Memorial Auditorium. Uh, and uh, those taped up ribs are from a splash into the corner into a beer keg from the Beer City Bruiser with Silas Young holding Jay Lethal, and then a frog splash through a table. Um, so so Jay Lethal uh, still having some, some bad ribs there. And, um, you know, the commentators, again, didn't really seem to have a clue as to as to why that was. Uh, you know, but of course, if you're a Ring of Honor fan, then you know why Jay Lethal had, uh, had taped up had taped up ribs and uh, of course Jay Lethal picks up the big win after a lethal injection which again the commentators did not know the name of um just thought it was interesting that it was I think it was more most prevalent in this match where um that that it was clear that the the commentators did not weren't weren't aware of of certain things that maybe they maybe they should have been and then of course we go to commercial break and uh Jim Ross says, up next is Juice Robinson versus Will Ospreay. Of course, it was not uh, it was not Will Ospreay because Will Ospreay already wrestled. It was Zack Sabre Jr. Um, so that was up next, another first-round matchup in the United States uh, Championship Tournament. Uh, Juice Robinson uh, versus Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, did notice this was the first match all night so far to stay inside the ring. No dives to the outside in this one, um, which was refreshing. I think we needed it um, after all the craziness we saw. Not that there wasn't, well, I, I don't know, maybe craziness isn't the right word to describe what uh, the match that Robinson and, and, and uh, Sabre Jr. had, but it was a really good match. Uh, one of my favorites of the night. Um just lots of, of course, I mean, as you'd expect with Zack Sabre Jr., just lots of, uh, of really creative, smooth, technical wrestling, um, and, and some really, really good, solid strikes as well. Zack Sabre Jr., of course, is a great striker in addition to a, being a great submission wrestler. Uh, one thing that was particularly devastating was uh, a spot where Zack Sabre Jr. went up in the air and came down to some double knees on Juice Robinson and kind of came down on his side, and I immediately thought maybe he busted some ribs there because it looked absolutely devastating. Um, yeah, just looked, just looked, I mean, I probably would have been crying over in the corner, uh, had I had to take something like that. Actually more accurately, my, my opponent probably would have been crying in the corner because if I came crashing down on their knees like that, well, it's probably, it's probably a good night for their, for their knees, I, I would say, but uh, Zack Saber Jr. was definitely taking more of an aggressive side in this role, more of the heel side in this uh, in this match um, than I'm used to seeing from him. Um, uh, there was a there's a really creative uh, spot where he got he got uh, 
Juice Robinson in an arm bar. Juice Robinson picks him up and gives him a power bomb. Uh, and then for, uh, as they're going as they're going to the finish, he gets him in another single arm bar. Juice Robinson can't quite <clears throat> get to the ropes because Zack Sabre Jr. grabs his fingers, pulls his finger back. Juice Robinson pivots to try to grab the ropes with his free arm. Zack Sabre Jr. grabs that, locks both arms into a very painful-looking submission, not even quite sure what to call it, and gets the submission victory, as you'd expect, over Juice Robinson uh, in a really, really uh, entertaining match. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that one. Uh, up next, it was the Tempora Boys, Billy Gunn and Yoshitatsu versus Tanahashi, Kushida, Jay White, David Finley. Uh I did notice, and the commentators really didn't acknowledge it, but um, Yoshitatsu did Triple H's entrance. Um, not even towards the hard cam, towards one of the offsides. He put the water in his mouth and spit up and did the pose. And then I also noticed later on he did the the pedigree. Um, I haven't seen a ton of Yoshitatsu's work in New Japan, so somebody clue me in there. Is, is this something he does? Does he uh, go out of his way to um, mimic... Um, you know, mimic Triple H, uh, whatever he does. I do know that him and uh, Billy Gunn do team together, and they they wear the Bullet Club Hunter T-shirts. Uh, just one observation in this match: Billy Gunn was so much bigger than everybody else in this matchup. Just a a absolute giant um, <laughs> next to all these guys, especially Kushida. I mean, he looked like just he looked like a monster next to next to Kushida. Of course, Kushida is. Uh, small guy and uh, Kushida, the, the uh, close personal friend of the Playboy, uh, of of course, uh, um, go back and uh, listen to uh, an earlier episode of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. We tell a fun story of of uh, Kushida meeting the Playboy uh, and being absolutely blown away that the Playboy is indeed eight years younger than me. Of course, uh, the Playboy looks to be about forty and. Uh, is really, in actuality, 28 years old. And when they found, uh, Kushida found out he was 28 years old, he was quite surprised. So uh, there you go. The story's out there again, Playboy. I'm sure he's going to be upset when he listens to this. Or by now he's probably shut it off because, hell, I'm the only one talking, and he's uh, heard enough of my voice over the last uh, 28 years of of, of his life. Um, Kushida uh, uh, did a spot where Billy Gunn was on the, was on the apron, and Kushida does like the Rick Rude hip thrust and uh, tells Billy Gunn to suck it. So uh, Billy Gunn comes in the ring a little later and, and gets on top of Kushida, and they're in the corner. And of course, Billy Gunn uh, gets right up and and right close to a camera and a microphone goes, "Suck my dick" on live TV. That's right, "Suck my dick" right through there on live TV for. All of America to hear. Um, you know, it's funny. If you watch some of the um, stuff on New Japan World, a lot of these guys will swear a lot in English on, uh, you know, in Japan. And, and you know, because of the language barrier, I think it's, you know, I don't think I don't think it's a, such a big deal. But uh, when you're here in the United States and on live TV for access, uh, you might want to reel it in a little bit. Um Maybe just stick with the suck it. Maybe you don't have to add uh, what it is you're actually wanting that person to suck. Um, heading towards the finish, uh, there were dives to all three sides. Jay White hits a flatliner on Yoshitatsu for the win. Jay White uh, is somebody who has really started to come into his own in Ring of Honor. Um, just, a, just a really fantastic wrestler. Uh, very, I think he's 24 years old, and you see the experience that this guy's already getting. Uh, of course, we'll probably be, you know, at some point he's going to end up back in New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, and I'm sure he will be a uh, just an enormous star for for New Japan as he as he's really starting to break out on the Ring of Honor roster uh, week in and week out. And at the pay-per-view, best in the world, he had a he had a breakout performance. I keep hearing these little breaks, folks. That's just me. Uh, Taking sips of water because, well, I got nobody to talk to, damn it. I got my cat here. He's not going to say anything. He's not like vodka. He's not going to claw my back and create some entertainment. He's a lazy prick. He's laying on my t-shirts, getting fur all over my t-shirt bag, and just being his normal prick self. Uh, So, yeah, now he's sleeping. I think think I'm disturbing him. So, you're going to get no entertainment value out of of my cat. Um, 
like we do Vodka the Cat uh, when we were at Michael's house. But uh, after this match, there was a very odd intermission. Um, I thought this was just completely bizarre. I didn't understand it. Um, I just thought it was very weird to, when you know you're on live um, you know, television to you know, uh, the American audience for the first time, and you're trying to really hook them. Not that New Japan's on for the first time, but it's live for the first time. And I think I think there was a certain element, and I'd be interested to see the ratings when when they come in for this. But um, with all the hype that was surrounding this, and um, I'm, I'm going to guess there were some probably some new viewers on, on this one tonight. And to throw that 30-minute intermission in there, which I think it was around 30 minutes or so, I just didn't get it. You risk losing viewers, um, or maybe not call it an intermission. I, I don't. I don't know. You know, find a find a. You know, if you're trying to give the live crowd a, a break there, um, maybe some backstage promos, some videos, something. You know, um, without without actually saying, "Hey, we're in an intermission here." Make the show feel like it's it's uh, still moving along, that you're still progressing the show, that you're still um, progressing angles, something. Um, but to call an intermission, I, I just felt it was really weird. And you, and you risk, I think, losing losing an audience at that point. Because somebody hears your intermission, they think, it's just like when you're at the arena live, or you know, when you're at the venue live, when the, when the audience hears intermission, they get up, they go get something to eat, they go buy T-shirts. Uh, in this case, though, my guess is, uh, you know, the fans at home, Watching on TV here in a mission, they might flip it over to uh, a baseball game. You know that's going on. They might flip it over to a sitcom or uh, maybe a movie, and they may not come back. You may lose them here. So um, I thought that was just—I thought that was so bizarre um, to have an intermission. I, and I remember back in the day, WWE pay-per-views used to have intermissions in them. Uh, and even as a kid, I didn't quite understand them, and they were. They were less subtle about it. They would just throw a timer up on the screen, and you would kind of just hear the background noise from the from the live crowd. Just kind of, you know, just doing nothing, <laughs> just chit chatter in the background or chit chat in the background. But um, you know, not to beat it to death, I, I just I, I would hope that that is something that uh, they do another live special that they would they would work to eliminate. Um, I mean, my big guess is if they're going to do another giant card like this in the U.S., I mean, you would have to think that that New Japan should have the stroke to to try to get on pay-per-view at least. You know, I I know um, you know they are showing night two uh, this coming week, this coming Saturday, I believe, on Access. But it happens Sunday night, and you can actually watch it live on New Japan World, uh, which would have been last night if you're listening to this on Monday. Um, so, but you would think you would think New Japan has enough stroke to get on on uh, national pay per view, and and we'll kind of get into it after after we wrap up um, going through the card here. Um, uh, my thoughts on on what this all means and where it could go going forward. But um, yeah, you would think that might be a, a logical next step for them, rather than doing a live TV special again uh, to do traditional maybe traditional pay-per-view and see if they can break into that market in, in the, in the United States. But, uh, of course we came, did come back from intermission at some point. Uh, I guess I kind of, I kind of made my own intermission there and not talking about, uh, about the, uh, the matches or going right to the next match. So trying to give you that authentic feel of, of the evening here, but, um, we came back for war machine, which is of course, uh, former guest on the WPAN, Warbeard Hansen uh, and Raymond Rowe taking on the Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, one thing I did notice here: no face paint on the Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, I thought that was I thought that was interesting. I don't know if that's uh, recently they've uh, decided to to not do the face paint or or what. But I did uh, I did think that was that was pretty interesting. Of course, they're the defending uh, IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, recently winning them uh, from the Challengers War Machine. War Machine comes out in their very I guess uh, you know Game of Thrones esque entrance attire, which looks awesome. Um, you know I gotta say you know, and I'm a little bit full disclosure here. 
I'm a little biased when it comes to War Machine. Uh, I'm a little biased when it comes to these to these guys. Of course, uh, I've known uh, you know Hanson as long as I've known anybody in wrestling and wrestled him more than I've wrestled any other human being on this life. And in the you know, in the last few months, getting to know Ray a little bit, um, you know, and just seeing uh, you know you know the genesis of War Machine here over the last uh, six eight eight months, a year or so, uh, and where, you know, what they're doing, where they're going, uh, and where they might ultimately end up someday. Um, it's just amazing. I mean, they got friggin' action figures now. How cool is that? I mean, um, you know, I know there's a lot of listeners of this podcast who've been watching Hanson for, for years. Uh, and how cool is that? He has a friggin' action figure now and Roe has an action figure and, and, uh, just just really cool for a guy who you know came out of this area came out of the new england area uh where i where i am where i'm from uh and started with me but anyways back to the match uh talking about war machine's entrance gear like i said very um you know game of thrones-esque i would i would say with my limited knowledge of what uh of what that show is like um opens up with a ray Rowe promo um wanting a no dq match so, uh, the, you know, the, uh, one of the gorillas of Destiny, I don't remember which one, took the microphone, uh, looked at him for a second, and then walloped him in the head, and off we go with this uh, crazy affair, brawling on the outside, um, just fighting all over the place, and um, I, I, trash can lid gets introduced at some point. I know, I know Hanson took a trash can right to the skull uh, uh, when attempting a, a suicide dive. Um, there was a ridiculous spine buster, uh, by Ray Rowe. I believe he had Tama Tonga or Tama, uh, on any, any, uh, spine bustered him onto, uh, boy, I'm messing up these names left and right, but, um, <laughs> he, he spine bustered one onto the other. That's what I'm getting at here. And it was vicious looking and devastating and made me cringe. Uh, forgive me if I'm screwing up the names, uh, you know. I'm a piece of crap. What do you want from me? Uh, but then all of a sudden, uh, you know, uh, one of War Machine's going up to the top rope. Chase Owens interferes. Who? <laughs> it took a second to realize what was going on there, and the commentators uh, took a second to really to really put it over that he was with them. Uh, then there was a great, just a great little uh, moment where uh, it was uh, Ray Rowe uh, with... Um, Camacho, we'll call him Camacho. I know that was his WWE name, but uh, where multiple knees to the head and just lots of shots to the head, and and Camacho is no selling them, and then all of a sudden he just just crumbles as it finally all hits him at once. Uh, really entertaining stuff. Uh, War Machine hits the fallout. Of course, that's the leg drop through the top, through a table, and War Machine is now the two-time IWGP heavyweight tag team champions. Really incredible to see Hanson and Rowe uh, getting those titles back just a short time after losing them, and a very fun, very violent, very physical match. Good stuff, though. Of course, I'm biased, but you know, I don't think it matters that I'm biased here. That was a damn good match, and uh, we have a title change, our first title change on on this one night special. Uh, so pretty cool stuff. Uh, next up, we get back into the United States Championship Tournament, uh, and and uh, it's Naito versus Ishii here. This match was very hard hitting, very you know, just lots of headbutts and crazy strikes and. Uh, Naito got busted open at one point and was bleeding from the mouth. I think it was when he came off for a drop kick from the top, and he really hit awkwardly and hard uh, when he landed. I think maybe he bit his tongue or his lip there, of you know, some somewhere along those lines. But then a little later on, the blood builds, builds up in his mouth and he just spits it right in Ishii's face. Um, but it didn't help him. All it did was piss Ishii off, and Ishii beats Naito with a brain buster, and and what I think would be considered a pretty major upset here. Um, you know, I think people probably expected Naito to move on in this tournament, um, and he does not. He gets eliminated on night one of the tournament, uh, so a bit of a surprise there. Uh, we then go to Kenny Omega versus Michael El- Elgin. 
Uh, at the beginning, uh, the referee turns down a two-suite and tells uh, the Bucks and Omega to suck it. The crowd was absolutely electric for Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, uh, for a guy that has wrestled predominantly in Japan, is really freaking over in the United States, or at least with these, with the crowd in attendance here tonight, who you would think uh, most of them were probably pretty darn familiar with uh, his body of work in New Japan Pro Wrestling and and uh, obviously familiar with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, if we're going to be full disclosure here, the Kingpin took an old an old nap. <laughs> I was an old man during this match, uh, trying to keep my eyes open, and uh, there were large chunks of this match that I just fell asleep in. No indication of how good this match was because... Twitter was just littered with people talking about how great this match was. Uh, but I did wake up in time to see uh, Kenny Omega win with the one-winged angel and move on to night two. I don't think any surprise there. He's probably the favorite to win this championship, you would think. And from there, it is main event time, folks. The Rainmaker, Okada, versus the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. And I'm going to say Cody Rhodes because, well... I don't think WWE is going to sue me for, for calling him Cody Rhodes, and I think it's just stupid to have one name anyways, But especially when everybody knows what his name is. But anyways, I digress. This is IWGP Heavyweight Champion versus Ring of Honor World Champion. Of course, Cody has an entrance with uh, some masked U.S. presidents I thought was a little, was a little bizarre um, and not really, uh, not really elaborated on again by the commentary team. Okada comes down with his traditional entrance with the money raining from from the sky, of course, making it rain because he's the rainmaker. Uh, there was a really cool spot in the beginning where, or towards the beginning, where Okada leaps over the guardrail and crossbodies uh, Cody. Uh, lots of just great action back and forth in this one. Um, <clears throat> eventually... Um, Okada just is getting the best of Cody. He's hit him with a tombstone. He's hit him with, I, I believe, a couple of, of Rainmakers at this point. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks come out with a towel, and they're begging Brandy Rhodes to throw in the towel for her husband. Uh, this kind of distracts Okada, um, which leads to Cody hitting a Rainmaker of his own for a near fall. Lots of finishes back and forth. Uh, Cody gets the towel, wipes his nose, and wipes his ass with it and throws it at Omega, and there's a little kind of interaction there, some dissension within the Bullet Club. But ultimately, Okada hits uh, a jumping tombstone and a Rainmaker clothesline to retain the IWGP Heavyweight Championship in what was a very good main event. And the craziest thing of all is, a tombstone sets up a clothesline. Think about that for a moment, folks. One of the best professional wrestlers in the world today uses a tombstone to set up a clothesline. Hey, it works. People love this guy. Um, hell, I love this guy. Every time I've seen him, uh, the matches are just... Uh, I'm not going to say I'm an expert on, on New Japan or uh, Okada, but I, I've, I've seen now, you know... Uh, uh, half a dozen, uh, maybe to t- up to ten matches of his. Um, the guy's outstanding, and he looks like a star. Uh, just, uh, just an incredible performer, and a guy who's on top of his game, and one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. And uh, you know, rightfully is the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. Uh, what a night! I think a just a fantastic introduction. Um, to anybody watching New Japan Pro Wrestling for the first time tonight, I think a tremendous introduction to uh, to the world of New Japan. Um, probably got themselves a few extra subscribers on the New Japan World subscription service. Um, I mean, the one thing I think I hope to see going forward out of them is some is some programming that's a little more timely. You know. Um, uh, I would love to see a, a true weekly television show for them here where, where they run angles and it's not just old footage. And that has gotten better with them. Uh, they were running footage that was you know, upwards of a year old um, at one point, but now it's, it's, it's way more timely. They're already showing the stuff from Dominion. I know I watched uh, uh, War Machine's first title win uh, just last week or the week before, I believe. Um, you know... Um, you know, the, I believe it was the week before uh, on on the access program, but I, I would like to see um, 
you know, more timely programming. And uh, it'd be amazing if they really had a true weekly television show with storylines and uh, things of that nature, things for people to hook onto and follow and watch and uh, and really enjoy because I think this is great. Uh, as somebody in the professional wrestling business, as somebody trying to make moves in the professional wrestling business, the more places out there uh, where you can make money, the more jobs there are, the better it is for professional wrestlers in general. Um, and I think New Japan, um, I think New Japan could could firmly position themselves as the number two promotion in the United States. I think they have the money to do it. Um, I I don't think any. I mean, full disclosure, nobody has the money to to compete with WWE. Um, they can they can basically pay for anything they want. They can pay for somebody to essentially sit on the sidelines, even if they don't like them. They just to keep them from somebody else. You know, they can afford to pay somebody just to sit on the sidelines. So, will there ever be a situation again where somebody's breathing down their neck and uh, almost putting them out of business? A, a you know WCW like. No, no, there will not be. There won't be uh, a situation like that ever again. Um, but there is room in this, you know, there's room for more than one major wrestling promotion in the United States. Right now, um, you know, there's three. I think an argument can be made. Uh, who's number two, whether it's Ring of Honor or whether it's Impact Wrestling. Um, but New Japan could could come in and, and sweep them both out. And, of course, they do have the work and relationship with Ring of Honor, but... I will say it does seem like uh, New Japan has has bigger goals than partnering with a U.S.-based promotion. It it feels like they want to come in and, and have their own market share. It feels like New Japan wants to come in and they want to get on weekly television. They want to get a cable deal and start running pay-per-views. So I hope that happens. I really do uh, for a lot of different reasons, um, both as a fan and, and somebody uh, in professional wrestling. I hope I hope that that happens. But what did you think? How did you like the the Access G1 special? Do you watch New Japan on a regular basis? Was this your first time experiencing New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, if you did watch it? Uh, If you didn't watch it, why didn't you watch it? Are you interested in that? If you're a wrestling fan listening to this, why didn't you watch it? I'd be curious to know. Uh, Of course, we do want your feedback. Every week, we do something we call Merv Griffin Time, a talkback segment where we interact with you, the listener. So tweet at us at at the WPAN on Twitter with your take on this week's episode, your thoughts on our discussion, and and use the hashtag WPAN, and we'll mention you and your tweets this Thursday. Yes, every Thursday, it's an all-new, all-different episode of the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. We call it the BDA uh, Bonus Podcast, which is not what we call it anymore. It's not the BDA bonus. It's a BDA exclusive podcast. Excuse me. Uh, and now along with Merv Griffin time and our Hero Life Hall of Fame inductions, you can vote on a new topic each and every week. And uh, I know we will have a Dirt Sheet Shuffle coming up as well at some point. I don't know if we're going to do it this week or not. Um, I know we're going to run that about once a month. But typically every week you're going to vote on a topic and then we talk about it. Uh, also, you can download past episodes of the NAI Network podcast, like the interviews we've just added from Cheeseburger of Ring of Honor or Chaotic Wrestling CEO Jamie Jamikowski. And that's all on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing feed on your favorite podcast platform, or you can find it over at bdaradio.com. But that's another show. <laughs> and a way you can interact with us right here on the NEI Network every week is through our voicemail line. We want to hear from you. Get your voicemails in and we'll play them on the podcast. Call 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. We really appreciate your contribution to the podcast. So call right now. I want you to pause this podcast. Pick up that phone, dial 401-584-9726, and you tell me how I freaking have done so far, nearly 40 minutes into this podcast, carrying it, taking little pauses for water like I'm about to do right now. Ugh, the old throat is getting sore here, but we're going to trudge through. We're going to get through this. Uh, So yeah, stop right now, pick up that phone, leave us a voicemail. I want to hear what you think. Uh, or tweet at me right now as you're listening to this. What did you think? How did the Kingpin do breaking down New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 uh, one-night live special on Access TV? Okay, folks, you know what time it is. It's time for this week's promo about nothing. But before we get to that, 
Let's talk about our sponsor. People ask me, what do you mean BDARadio.com? What does the BDA stand for? Brian does it all? Yes, I'm flying solo and doing a hell of a job uh, so far this week. Does that mean Mike Crockett is no longer needed on the WPAN? Was he ever needed? That remains to be seen. But what BDA Radio means is the most unique commentary on mixed martial arts and pro wrestling on on the internet. They don't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head over to BDARadio.com and check out all the latest news on UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. Mike Crockett may be MIA like the knockout of the night, but you'll still get your news on big fights at BDARadio.com. How was that? Look at that. I'm taking all Mike Crockett's bits and I'm making them work uh, even better. So now we are on to the promo about nothing. It's the summer of 1993. It's the World Wrestling Federation. We're building towards SummerSlam 93. So you know what that means, don't you folks? It's the Lex Express. That's right. Jesus, thinking about this, 24 years ago, uh, Lex Luger body slammed Yokozuna on the USS Intrepid. And here we are. Uh, it's very, again, very apropos for the 4th of July. And in honor of Lex Luger body slamming Yokozuna, here is rapping Randy and men on a mission. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to leave you here tonight with a special tribute to Lex Luger. Compliments of Rappin' Randy and Men on a Mission for Gorilla Monsoon. I'm Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. Ooh, yeah. This one goes out to everybody all over the USA that heeded the call to action for the mighty Lexus Express. One, two, one, two, three. We're ready, willing, able, and we're destined for success. We felt the call to action for the mighty Lexus Express. The stars and stripes were flying high. We heard the angels sing. The Lexus Express man don't go Zuna through the wrestling ring. His body slammed around the world on everybody's boat. It almost knocked the hole right through the bottom of the boat. Yo, we're ready, willing, able, and we're destined for success. We felt the call to action for the mighty Lexus Express. For purple mountain majesty from sea to shining sea. Yokozuna's sponsor left in their cracked up the bee. Mr. Fuji couldn't cut it, so they got Jim Cornette. By the time Luca's done, they'll be easy to forget. Now SummerSlam is coming to the home of Bill Lambeer and many other Pistons who are really gonna cheer. When Big Fat Yokozuna, who is on a roll, I guess, gets a mega motel welcome from the mighty Lex Express. We're ready, willing, able, and we're destined for success. We felt the call to action for the mighty Lex Express. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, we made history here today. No, not just because I've hosted the WPAN on my own, but that was our first musical entry, you know, as a promo about nothing, or our first musical number uh, featured on the promo about nothing, I should say. Of course, that was the build-up for SummerSlam 93, and that's how you build up a pay-per-view, folks. That's how you drum up the interest. You have Randy Macho Man Savage, one of the greatest professional wrestlers in history, rapping with men on a mission, not even about themselves, but about Lex Luger. Um, I, I think I think this was a pretty good indication of why um, ultimately Lex Luger's run as uh, All American was uh, was a enormous failure. Um, I, I I don't even know how to describe this. This is dreadful, <laughs> absolutely dreadful. I feel like uh, Simon Cowell on on uh, American Idol right now. I mean, who thinks of this crap? Honest to God, who, who's sitting in a meeting 
That's I want. That's what I want to hear on the next Bruce Pritchard podcast. Why? Why was this segment produced? Whose idea was it? Who thought it was a good idea? Who the hell booked this crap? It is absolutely terrible. Uh, you got to check this one out. Uh, you got to watch the visual on it as well. Just amazing, absolutely amazing stuff. Very indicative of the times in professional wrestling. And you've heard the promo about nothing. And if you want the full picture, you can find the link to the video, as always, in the description of this episode on the NAI Network. And now, I'm hitting the highways and byways, crisscrossing this great nation of ours, plying my trade as a professional wrestler, and I have dates. I return to action. Actually, excuse me, I should say, I should say, I'm not returning to action at first. Uh, I'll actually be on July 9th. I'm going to be at the Lowell Spinners game um, at Edward A. Lasher Park promoting uh, a night of Grand Slams. It's Chaotic's big event on August 19th. Uh, I'll be there with T-shirts, 8x10s, pictures. Hey, I hope I get to throw out the first pitch again. Um, Come meet me. Come say hello. Uh, But I will be on Sunday, July 9th at the Lowell Spinners game. Uh, It's a 5.30 start. Uh, But come out and meet me and and find out all about about Chaotic. Find out all about, easy for me to say, Chaotic's great event uh, in in August called uh, A Night of Grand Slams. But then I return to action on Friday night, July the 14th for Chaotic Wrestling in Woburn, Massachusetts. Um, of course, go to chaoticwrestling.com uh, for all your card and ticket information. The very next night, I head out to Mike Crockett's Old Stomping Grounds, Western Massachusetts, Chicopee, Mass, maximum capacity. I'll be taking on Sexy Jesus himself, Justin the Hammer Tunis. Uh, find Pro- Pioneer Valley Pro Wrestling on Facebook and uh, pre-buy your tickets right, right through their Facebook, uh, through the link that they have on there. Uh, and then on July the 30th, it's Beyond Wrestling American Rana, double header. Uh, there's an afternoon show and an evening show. The full card's announced. The evening show is already sold out. Uh, tickets for the afternoon show are on sale, are selling fast, and are only half price. So uh, I would recommend, if you want, don't want to get completely shut out of American Rana, the American Rana experience, get your tickets now. Of course, you can always... Uh, uh, go to Beyond Demand and, and get all of your uh, favorite Beyond Wrestling matches, including many of mine, including against Keith Lee and Chris Hero, JT Dunn and Ace Romero. And I'll stop there with the dates because, well, <laughs> you're probably sick of hearing the Kingpin uh, drone on here for going on near 50 minutes. How about that? Um, of course, we want you to, to continue to support uh, our friends who out there who have podcasts in the podcasting community, booking the territory uh, with their Smoky Mountain podcast review, and then also they are reviewing the old uh, NWA, WCW, Saturday night uh, shows as well, uh, checking the boots with uh, Chip and Tony, uh, the Rundown podcast with Adam and Jason, I was a recent guest on that. Uh, and, of course, we hope you will continue to listen to the NEI Network all week long. DC and Doc Talk, The Pipe Bomb with McCool and Company, Rant with Ant, Late Night Liam, Indie Pop, and eventually The Inside Perspective with Scotty Slade. If you want to support our efforts, the best way to do is buying our t-shirt. Pick up the Curtain Jerker WPAN t-shirt at prowrestlingtees.com slash newageinsiders or visit facebook.com slash WPAN and hit that big blue shop now button and it will take you directly to our shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. We'd really appreciate your support. We're back on Thursday for the WPAN BDA exclusive radio or BDA radio exclusive podcast featuring a fan voted topic. Search WPAN on all your favorite podcatchers or go to BDARadio.com. Then join us here next Monday on the NAI Network for episode 64 of the WPAN. Till then, I hope you like this one, Mike. If you're not, if you didn't, get your ass back here. I'm the Kingpin Brian Lonis. Big ups to Mucko, and thanks for nothing. <laughs>